So in this episode, I'm going to talk about CVs, okay, and my take on CVs and how you can put together a CV that gives you the best chance of being noticed. Okay, so the thing about a CV, and actually I've believed this for a very long time, is that CVs come in many different formats, okay? A CV is not just that two-page you know, to a four-page document these days. Your social media footprint and reputation and image is a CV. Your LinkedIn profile, if you have a LinkedIn profile, is a CV. You'll notice now there's a lot of jobs which say, you know, when you start registering or you click apply, it will ask you, do you want to apply with your LinkedIn profile? So your LinkedIn profile is also a CV. And then dependent upon the industry that you're in and or the industry you'd like to work in, a portfolio is a CV. Now that could be a collection of or a cluster of work that represents what you've done, who you are and what you can do. So CVs today come in different formats and actually the the variables and the things that an employer may be taking into account as to whether to employ you is made up of lots of different things. Some employers, maybe just out of mere curiosity, might well look up you know, look you up on social media or Google you. Now, some people are a little bit smart, okay? Their social media handles, their profiles have a different name, for example, to what their government name is, okay? To what their official legal name is, the name that they're using when they apply to employers, the name that they use on official documents. So it may not be as easy for an employer or stranger to you know, Google somebody and look at their social media profile. Now, if you're using the same name and you are unsure, embarrassed, um, or any of those things about what, you know, the image that you're portraying, maybe the topics and content that you share, that you produce and share on your social media platforms. If that is at odds with what you do in your day job or the kind of career that you're trying to build on the side, you do well to really think about that. And, you know, think about either making that more aligned or changing your your profile or changing your handles so that the two don't synonymously come up together when you are googled or searched on any social media platform. Now I'll take each one in hand when it comes to discussing what I feel are these kind of modern hybrid CVs. Um, When it comes to your LinkedIn profile, LinkedIn is a beast in itself but the good thing about LinkedIn is that you can actually build a network at the same time as you know list your achievements, list your work experience, etc. And so I have found that certain types of recruiters and in certain industries, they do look at your LinkedIn profile. Now with LinkedIn, there is a free version. There's also a premium version and individuals who are paying for the premium, you know, perks of LinkedIn are able to search you without you knowing. So you can view people on private, for example. And so sometimes you might get a notification that says, you know, six people viewed your profile and you can't actually see who those people are. A lot of the time, it's because they may be using the premium function. And this is why it's really important to make sure your LinkedIn profile is tidy, make sure that any um, of your activity. So LinkedIn will show what you like, 
it will show um, what you comment on and of course whatever it is that you're producing creating and circulating yourself people can also see whether they're connected to anybody in your network you know um so and then LinkedIn also makes suggestions, much like any other social media um, platform, it makes suggestions as to who else you could potentially follow or connect with. It does have a messaging function, so when you do decide that you want to connect with someone, maybe someone you don't know, um, you are able to message them. Now, there's different theories and, and um, strategies around building a LinkedIn um, network and as to whether or not you should be cold messaging people. It does depend on what you're saying. If you are selling something, it really just depends. I'd really recommend that you go away and do a little bit of research on LinkedIn if you are looking to build a network via LinkedIn. The good thing, as always, about building any network or being a part of one is that people share and circulate news, insights and jobs. So again, if you are looking for a job, then LinkedIn can be a great place because quite often lots of founders or managers, hiring managers, HR individuals will publish jobs that are available, that they are recruiting for. And the more people who view the post, like the post, comment on the post, the more widely it gets circulated. And that's how I found out about quite a few jobs via LinkedIn. Now, it takes some time to make sure that your LinkedIn profile is tidy, that it makes sense, and that it gives you the, you know, it gives a, the best representation of you. And remember, your LinkedIn profile, like anything else, can be adjusted, it can be, you know, cultured, it can be changed according to what it is that you're looking for or where you're at in your career at that moment, okay? I try to, at the moment, keep it quite straightforward, okay? Um, because then it doesn't pigeonhole me. You know, there was a period of time where I was building a particular type of business. And so all of the content, all of the achievements, all of the experiences that I listed on my LinkedIn profile reflected that. Okay, I'm not in that space anymore. So I've had to make sure that I've adjusted my LinkedIn profile so that anybody looking at it, okay, gets a more accurate reflection of, of what I'm doing or who I am right now. So it's just something to bear in mind. There are lots of free, and I point this free, LinkedIn um, profile courses and articles etc that can help you get the basics right okay so don't always go for the paid option because there's a lot of really convincing and persuasive individuals out there who will say look I will you know zhuzh up your LinkedIn profile set it up for you at a price that you know, I think you have to do that when you're very, you're more informed about the platform, how it works and what you want to get out of it. I would recommend in the first instance, do a bit of research, use the free resources that are out there and set up your own profile and start using it a little bit so that you can get used to what it does, how it works, and you can get more of an idea of what it is you want to get out of your LinkedIn experience. So that's LinkedIn. Um, and, and the reason why you need to make sure that, that profile says all it needs to say is because, as I say, if you want to use that option when it comes to applying for jobs and you just literally want to include your LinkedIn profile, the URL, which, by the way, you can customise, um, then you want to make sure that it says what it needs to say, because that's what's going to employers. 
also side night side note a lot of kind of business accelerators incubators um you know funds now the application forms which tend to be over google form or type form or whatever or via their website they will also ask you you know and it says optional but it will also say do you have a linkedin profile that you'd like to you know submit the link for so linkedin does it's it's a big it really is um, useful and it's useful to be aware of because sometimes social media people are relying on Instagram and you know Facebook for business believe it or not you know depending on your age there's a lot of young people like who even uses Facebook but in terms of Facebook for business and Facebook for users who are probably over 40 you know it's a booming place which is why Facebook has invested a lot in you know their workplace functions the group functions you know uh, I mean advertising via Facebook is still you know very viable okay especially if you're a local business for example and you want to target people in your local area their advertising functions and features are very good so I know a lot of young people tend to think nobody's on Facebook, nobody uses Facebook, and they have kind of either deactivated their profile, which is fine. But if you've still got a profile, by the way, that is open, that you just don't really use, go back and check. Make sure you've cleaned it up. Because if you are Googled, it may still appear. It may not be the most frequently visited for you, but it will appear. So if you've got dodgy pictures from university or, you know, when you were 12, 13, look through some of your posts, your public posts and comments, things like that. Clean it up, clear it up, okay? Because too many people's old, you know, social media, um, you know, posts and tweets and all these things are coming out. Now, don't be fooled. Even though it seems like some celebrities are catapulted, you know, and springboarded into further success as a result of kind of old social media scandals, like old social media tweets and posts and say people are saying, and I've heard it on a couple of podcasts this week saying, well, you know, so-and-so, her career or his career has, you know, propelled on since, you know, that scandal. You are not a celebrity. Nine times out of ten, you're not a celebrity, even if you have a large social media following. And if you do not work in a job or industry which is related to, you know, media, advertising um, and, and the world of personality, then you may not benefit monetarily. You may not benefit in terms of your reputation in the same way as some of these other celebrities have. Try your best to go back and look at any old social media profiles which you have not deactivated and make sure. And again, if you don't work I mean, it doesn't really matter if you do work in politics and things like that and social commentary anymore. The point of the matter is check your posts. You know, what have you been saying? What have you said in the past about groups of people, about, you know, a way of living? Do go back and check because, believe it or not, for the common ordinary man, that does matter. And you may have a manager, there may be a hiring manager, or there may be peers, or someone who is a decision maker who may take issue with a view that you've expressed, even if it was in the past. So please don't be fooled. You know, there's a lot of discussion about cancellation culture or cancel culture and whether it actually works or not. You know, you are not a celebrity. I'm pretty confident that most people aren't. OK, even though you may be someone who, you know, absorbs a lot of media, a lot of social media, that is not most of the world. It's not also the real world. And I know there's people who will challenge me on whether social media is the real world and whether we need it in the real world. But what I would say as somebody who has been, 
involved in recruitment as a hiring manager or a decision maker and has gone through recruitment processes many times okay for the average person in the real world in real jobs local jobs it matters what you say and the reputation that you build matters and unless you are a tv personality or a social media personality where you are effectively self-employed remember that these individuals are self-employed um, sometimes, depending on where they're at, they have teams around them that help them with their PR, some of them not so well, but help them with their PR and things like that. All of those things help them, you know, secure future contracts. And so maybe one or two really, you know, nasty old tweets or posts are not going to kill their career. Not that it should necessarily in all cases, but, you know, you don't measure yourself against those people. Okay, if you don't have a certain gravitas, and by that I mean you may not have, you know, the funds to float yourself as a self-employed person for a long period of time. You may not have the HR department, the PR guru around you to help you manage and transition through a PR crisis or scandal. So really just be real, okay, and, and think about clearing up, tidying up your social media profiles if you're not in the creative media field, if you're not looking for jobs in that field where they factor in the image or the brand that you're creating on those platforms, okay? So really be aware of that. I have noticed there's a lot of people who have old Facebook profiles. Go and deactivate them. And I know that Facebook makes it quite difficult because I've experienced that myself in terms of an old, old profile. It took me ages to get through to Facebook. It does, but it's worth the effort. Um, by the way, I didn't have anything too controversial or scandalous on there. It's just, you know, something that I don't use. So uh, that's what I really wanted to say about LinkedIn and, and, and social media as, as a general thing. You know, if you are not in those fields, separate the two, separate the two images, you know, use different names and still be aware, though, of what you're sharing. And if you don't believe that in the real world it, it makes an impact, it does. I mean, I've heard of cases of teachers, doctors who've posted things that really are misaligned with the values and ethos of their employers or their day job and the responsibility that comes with their day jobs. You know, if you're a policeman, there's a lot of jobs where the contract of employment actually has social media clauses now, which remind employees about the impact of what they are doing on social media, albeit in a personal capacity, how that may impact the relationship they have with their employer and indeed their contract of employment. So do be aware of that, you know, this attitude that I can do what I like in my personal life, it, it's, it's actually very limited actually, depending on what you actually do in your paid employment life. So, yes. Now, if you are looking for jobs that are social media related or in the creative field, and that's a very broad term these days, um, in the media, the arts, etc., then, of course, your social media matters. But again, be very wary and careful. I mean, one of the things that, you know, you have to be aware of is not everything that you see online, OK, that makes you chuckle, that you laugh at, that, you know, is interesting or even something that you agree with, you don't have to like all of those posts. Beware that now the algorithms on these platforms mean that other people are notified when you like or follow someone. When you comment on a post, other people in your network are, are um, you know, notified. And also the algorithm now will show you on either an explore page or a discover page, 
it will show you posts that are similar to what you may have liked or commented on before. Okay, so these systems are very sophisticated, even if you are not a sophisticated social media user yourself. Nothing is by accident or chance. Everything is connected to your browsing habits, your history, and what you have, the information that you've input into that particular um platform and, and it's not just what you're saying they look at what you're doing how much time you spend what time of day you're going on all of those things now are being used by massive companies okay to guide and govern and affect consumer behavior and affect you know just media absorbers you know so really be aware of that it's not everything that you like you see that makes you laugh that you need to like the post or comment on the post because then that goes out to the rest of your network and it says something about you. There's this real belief, again, I hear it from listening to a lot of podcasts and reading, you know, people think I can like whatever I want to like, you know, whatever I post or tweet is not a reflection of me. That, unfortunately, in the real world is just not true. You know, I remember even I was stupid enough at you know, I don't know, maybe 15, 14, 15, you know, I really believe it's not everything that I put up, you know, do you remember, um, you know, on WhatsApp, this is really before social, you know, like Instagram and things like that were used all the time, but on WhatsApp or even like, yeah, anything where you could post like a profile picture and, you know, I guess it was before memes even really were memes, but, you know, they had all these kind of captions or statement kind of images that people used to put up on their WhatsApp all the time, and people still do it today. And I think one of them that was widely circulated was the one, it's not everything I post, I believe in, I feel, or I think. You know, so it's basically that, I don't know, people would put up something like, you know, do you mind your business, for example. Um, and, you know, people who are on your contact list who can see it think oh she's in a bit of a mood today or maybe something's happened in her relationship or a friendship or her life and then people would say well actually no I just like the quote that day and I can post what I want it's just what I post is not necessarily a reflection of what I think feel unfortunately that's not true you know if you're building an audience if you have followers or again if you're trying to get hired the hiring manager you know the HR may think that is what you think and feel particularly if what you are expressing or sharing is less than favorable or sanitary okay about particular concepts groups of people you know politics all of these things you know do not allow yourself to get it twisted and put yourself in the same category as individuals who have whole teams individuals who have financial resources that can help them you know sail through these types of scandals and, and a temporary period of backlash you know, really be honest within yourself. If you're just, you know, Sally Smith, for example, who lives in Croydon, Deptford, Lucian, and you're just starting out, or you, you know, even if you're an experienced professional, be realistic, okay, about how you're going to be perceived and the impact this may really have on your, your job search or, you know, your career trajectory. So social media is huge, but use it responsibly. You know, this idea that it doesn't matter what you say, it does, okay? And, you know, if you said something particularly inflammatory or defamatory about 
somebody or a particular group of people or way of living, whatever it is, you need to be able to back that up. You know, there are still some people who want to hold you accountable and responsible. And whether you think that's right or wrong, it is what it is. And I've really felt compelled to share that. It's just my personal opinion, but I know it to be true. And I can tell you as somebody who is naturally kind of very introvert in the workplace, um, in terms of sharing my personal life with my colleagues, you know, I'm not somebody who enjoys you know, drinks for no reason. You know, I'm not into that, spending my Wednesday, Thursday night out with colleagues, people I've just met or don't know particularly well, because I genuinely like my home life. I like my quiet time. I love my family and my friends. So I don't have a need to make work my life in terms of my social life as well. However, you know, one of the things that has really helped me over the years is the fact that I do have boundaries. Okay, about what I will talk about, when and how I express an opinion, because you often don't know what opinions decision makers in your midst have. And don't get relaxed in social situations at work, whether that be at the the breakout area, the coffee station, in the lift, at the gym at work, you know, on the train or the DLR. Don't get comfortable and lazy. Remember boundaries and even if you are friendly or you have a rapport with a manager or a supervisor or maybe your friend becomes the manager or supervisor recognize boundaries even if they don't institute boundaries for yourself about what you will talk about how you talk about other people because in their capacity as a manager or if they're just messy like that they might use that information against you or to their own benefit which may disadvantage you at some point without you even knowing it really be calculated you know and that's why in this podcast I talk about career and business because I have to be honest if you want a career and there's nothing wrong with that or there's nothing wrong with just having Having a job and being happy with your job but if you want a career okay we talk about career pathways we talk about career goals you need strategy and so you need to run your career like it is a business and what matters in a business is you know how are we performing what are the metrics where's the money being spent how much money are we making and it's the same in a career you've got to have boundaries you have to be self-aware you have to Think about and calculate the next step that you are taking. You really, really do. And so be really careful. Have boundaries in your social media interactions and have boundaries, you know, um, you know, in your real life interactions, even if they are social moments. Um, So I see lots of things online that I think are funny or true or I can relate to. But I always think about, do I need to like this? Do I need to comment on it? Do I need to share it? You know, I actually probably don't even interact with 90% of the things I see online that I agree with. Okay, whether that be socially in my personal life or even publicly. I mean, I'll give you another um, example. I find there's a lot of older people now who are really kind of wielding, you know, WhatsApp. My goodness, those chain messages that say good morning with a bouquet of flowers. I mean, and the prayers and the you know, all of this stuff now. But anyway, <laughs> you know, and oh, family chats, my goodness, when an adult knows how to use family chat, they're in it all day, every day. Now, I love that because it's nice actually to keep connected to your family now in a much more continuous way. That element I love. But the reason why I bring this up is that what I've found is sometimes a lot of older people and even young people do this. They share posts, whether they be videos or kind of images with captions overlaid on Facebook, 
WhatsApp, and they haven't even watched the whole thing themselves, right? Because people are busy. You know, they'll see the first 10 seconds, think, oh, that's funny, I'll share that with my whole contact list, you know, my whole network. But they don't know that the actual content sometimes in, in contains swearing, you know, or contains some quite dodgy or inappropriate for the network that they're sharing it with content, okay? And there's nothing you can do about it. Once you've liked it and shared it, you've told your network in some way that you've endorsed it. And unless you put a comment or a message with it that says, look guys, haven't watched all of this, looks interesting, might be useful, which is a disclaimer, okay? People think that you endorse or you liked or you enjoyed or you agree. That is how it works. And you may have a problem with that, but it is the reality. So be careful. I've had experiences where, you know, I've got messages back shortly after something's been shared on WhatsApp or Facebook that say, oh, sorry, didn't realise there was swearing. Oh, sorry, didn't realise. You know, you've got to be more aware. So if you can't be bothered to watch some content in full to see whether you agree with it or how you feel about it or that it is appropriate for the network that you're going to share it with, whether that be WhatsApp, Facebook, um, Instagram, Twitter, don't just send it on. Don't just retweet it. Okay, learn how to have boundaries and recognize the benefits for you as just, you know, Jane Doe or Joe Bloggs of, of, of having boundaries and thinking about things before you do them in that public domain. It is the World Wide Web. So anyone, anywhere can access. So really think about that. So that's LinkedIn. That is social media. Um, now, portfolios. So again, depending on what kind of work you're looking for or what you want to do, often people ask for a collection or a cluster, a portfolio of work. That is really another form of CV, okay? Because you're showing your kind of experience, your skills, etc. So if you are aware that that's needed, start thinking about the things that you can put together um, or think about what have you, if you put art up or, you know, pieces of work, have you led and created social media campaigns or anything like that? Start, you know, creating a space where you collect those together. You'll go on a lot of websites sometimes for people and they have a bit where it says, you know, previous work or work or um, press even, you know, because if you're in PR, it will be what kind of press coverage have you had? And they've collected the articles together and they've got links to those things. So really think about that. It may be that your Instagram profile, your business Instagram profile or an art in, uh, profile has all of your work listed you know, and, and displayed. Great. That is a great portfolio. Okay. You know, um, if you're applying for college, for example, they will ask for a portfolio. I've seen that recently with some young people that I've talked to. So they've had to collect together, you know, work that they've done and, and put it together so that they have a portfolio to, to share. Again, do some more research on, on, on that. If you want great ideas for portfolios that really stand out, say something about you and are adapted to, you know, the specifics of what you're applying to. So then I guess going back to then your traditional A4, two A4 sides of, of, of CV. Now, I'll run down very briefly top to bottom about some of the elements that, you know, to be aware of. At the top, where your name is and often details. You don't need to put your full address details, you know, because really and truly that's a lot of information that is your personal private information. And although employers are required now with the new privacy and data 
um, laws that have come in to store and use and share your information in a specific way, you don't know who is actually viewing that CV along the way. Okay, so your full address details, unless it's requested or absolutely necessary for the role that you're applying for, you can withhold those. You can just maybe put in area, you know, London, you know, for example. Um, your name, obviously you have to put your name there. I know there's a lot of articles and studies about, you know, how names affect hiring. And I, I you know, sometimes I see that, you know, some job applications have said, you know, we anonymize the CV before it's sent through. And a lot of recruitment agencies, some of them actually do that before they send them through to the employers. Um, I think that's quite interesting. There's a lot of study and kind of, um, you know, research out there about names. I can say that nearly every time I apply for a job. In fact, when I just meet people or they call me on the phone companies, they always, they can never pronounce my name for starters. And they always tend to ask me where my name's from or ask for clarification on how to pronounce my name. I try not to get too paranoid, even though there are times where I think that maybe my name has made a difference. Um, which is why you'll find a lot of people change their names or they use a nickname or whatever on on you know, while job searching or in the workplace um, because of some of the kind of unconscious bias and prejudices or stereotypes that can come about because of name. You do need your name on there though, or a name on there. Um, and yeah, it probably needs to be, you know, you need to put a name on there. So I've covered name and address. Um, phone number can be useful. Yeah, so just beware of not oversharing personal details okay about yourself on your cv now then comes the kind of traditional little profile paragraph of you know four or five sentences you know adapt this now if you're very new and you're just looking for your first job of course you may be limited as to what you can say about yourself and what you can summarize about yourself that's fine but recognize the same statement or profile statement profile profile statement um is not going to be appropriate for every and any job okay so if you've been applying for customer service jobs at Sainsbury's but you see a job for a supervisor role at Waitrose you shouldn't have the same profile statement the contents may be similar but you can't have the first sentence saying I'm applying for this customer service advisor role at Sainsbury's if you're applying to a Waitrose that's what I mean look at those details and make sure the content is structured and tailored and specific and relevant to the actual job that you are applying to copy and pasting you know whole paragraphs without paying attention to the details is unwise um, because it just makes you look lazy um, and, and, you know, that could go against you even being shortlisted in the first place. Because remember, the whole point of submitting a CV is so that you can be shortlisted to the next stage, which is interview stage. So in order to do that, you need to make it easy and obvious as to why you should be shortlisted. And this is why in the episode where I talked about, you know, um, the exact steps to finding a job, you know, where we talked about job searching strategy, I, I encouraged you to look at the job description and the personal spec and to find that on the company's website and download it and open it quite often their PDFs or Word documents. The reason why I said that was because if there is a central criteria, there's usually, you know, a section where they talk about what is essential. And sometimes, even it will tell you whether it's going to be assessed in application form or in an assessment or at the interview if there is a central criteria that is being assessed from the very beginning 
you need to make sure that that is highlighted on your CV up front. So it's easy for you to be shortlisted. They can literally run through, highlight or tick where you've hit the markers. Okay, so make sure that you've highlighted the essential criteria in your CV under the relevant roles. Okay, so really think about that. And then when you list out your roles, just make sure that they're clear. You know, it's very clear, it's specific and targeted. Don't make general statements where you can help it. And this really does depend on where you're at in your career. As I say, if you're just starting, you may have limited information to rely on. You may be relying on voluntary work you may have done or clubs that you're a part of. Maybe you've been a prefect or even, you know, school counsellor. Those things definitely will help when you're looking for your first job. If you're a part of a dance club, singing club, or you play an instrument, also, those things are great because they do say a lot about you as a person, like commitment, the fact that you have to practice, you know, all of those things. So there are ways to really draw examples from those experiences, even if you don't have paid work history. But either way, depending on the role that you're applying for, be specific in highlighting the tasks, the, the, the elements of the job that uh, match or match with the job that you are applying for. And I have been playing around recently with, you know, kind of almost a hybrid CV of, you know, um, having the roles listed, having the tasks listed, but also giving competency examples where appropriate and depending on the level of job I'm applying for. And so from the CV alone, they get an idea of what you've done but also you can actually be specific where appropriate about you know something specific you know so it will be a I'll put a competency example in and I'm going to talk about competencies probably in more detail in a different episode because competencies are you need to know what a competency is number one and number two you need to know how to demonstrate how to show how to prove that you have that competency um, and, and again that can often that is needed in application forms personal statements as well as at interview stage and there are lots of different structures for competencies so I will devote a separate episode to discussing competencies specifically um, and how you you know, demonstrate a competency when you are applying for a, a job. But I've been playing around with kind of almost a hybrid CV where, you know, past the point of just listing, you know, jobs and the tasks and the responsibilities and the duties, where appropriate I put in, um, you know, a very succinct competency. Because if the CV is the only thing being used at that stage to shortlist, not every job is, but there's a lot of jobs that it is just CV at the first stage, then I, I really want to make sure, you know, that um, the CV speaks to as much of, as possible my abilities and me being a clear match in terms of skills and experience to that particular role, okay? So, and then you list your jobs, make sure they're really clear, um, you know, the list is very clear, and you mention all of your task duties. And on this point, you know, really think about even if you're in a job right now, you know, take stock at the end of every week. What have you actually done? Because sometimes it's not until you reflect and think that you can see all of the things that you've actually done, you know, um, 
And, and so, for example, you may have been involved in recruitment, even though that's not your job. But if you work for a company where they've used you in interviews, if you work for a company where they started asking you to draft the job descriptions and, 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 and be a part of the shortlisting process, that's a new skill that you are now developing. Okay, so really think about it. if you've been involved in training colleagues, if you are a mentor within the workplace, if you, you know, uh, induct new starters regularly, that may not be your job title, that might be something additional that you started doing. But take stock, whether it be on a weekly or a monthly basis, about the new things that you're doing, about the tasks that you're commonly doing, which are not a part maybe of your official job um, you know, description. All of these things are great things that A, help you build your own confidence, but these are things that you should include under the contents of that job role. Yeah, and as long as you have been doing them, okay, you will be able to substantiate them. And I'll talk about that in that competencies episode because it's all about substantiation. But so, 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 you know, take time to reflect on what you are actually doing in your job. Okay, um, so that you can include those things when you're listing out, you know, what you have done. And then, um, you know, you don't always have to have references on there. Again, if you're a new, new, new starter where you've got very little on your CV, then you've got space probably to put down your references. But most jobs will request them. Most jobs, if you're applying online now, there's a section for you to input your references. So you don't need to use space on your CV um, to do that. And... You know, the older you get, the longer you've worked, there are things that you may drop off your CV because of time, which is also fine, you know. Um, But again, depending on the role you're applying for, there may be a particular job that you highlight because actually it was exactly, it has the exact same duties and tasks or, you know, it's in the same area, etc. So just be flexible with your CV, I guess is what I'm saying. Be flexible, be smart, be strategic about your CV. Um, so that you can show a potential employer whether you match in terms of skill and experience, you know, that particular job that you are applying for. The other thing that I didn't mention in detail in the last episode, which was about, you know, job search strategies and having a process and a system, is that, you know, salary calculator. So just be aware of it now. Sometimes jobs will ask you what are your salary expectations, Um and also you may have looked at a job and maybe you've never earned that before or, you know, and, and so you want to know, well, what would that actually mean for me? What will I actually be taking home on a monthly basis? There are plenty of salary calculators online. And t- let me tell you, I've been using these for years because I love to know whether this job is actually suitable. You know, I know people have different things in mind when they're looking for new work. Money may not be the driver. Ultimately, you've got bills to pay. So you need to at least know if you're not in a position where you have savings or you've reduced your outcomes your in your outgoing sorry in your expenses you need to know how much this job is paying so there's plenty of salary calculators online that will work out your tax and don't forget if you have got a student loan and it depends when you got your student loan to include that because obviously it's automatically deducted from your wage so make sure when you're using the calculator that you input in your student loan, um, whatever student loan system you are on, um, often on the calculator it will, you know, give you two options. It gives you two or three options to select from. Okay, read it carefully. So then you can get a good idea of how much you're taking home every month after tax, because that's what really matters. Do not get, you know, hyped up by large numbers. Check how much tax. I remember the more you earn, the more tax 
it, that is taken from you. Um, there are different thresholds for different earning brackets. So you do well to use a salary calculator every now and then to just check what it is that you are going to be earning. So I hope this kind of run through of CVs in their different forms has been helpful.